chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13. Listen to what the Holy Spirit through Paul says to the Christians at Galatia. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Look at this next phrase. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Everybody repeat after me. Serve one another. You know, uh, as a church family, serving is a part of our DNA. That's who we are at Family Worship Center. As Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, serving is a part of our spiritual DNA. If you don't attend church here, you attend church somewhere else. If you're a Christian, serving is a part of what you do. It's who you are in Christ Jesus. In our personal lives, we should always budget some time to serve others. In our personal life, in our church activities and programs, all of our student ministries, all of our children's ministries, all of our adult ministries, serving our community must be included in everything we do. We should take it further. We should take it home with us. Our children should grow up understanding as Christians we have a responsibility to serve. We've been told that the the millennials and this next generation are the most pampered Uh, uh, demographic ever on earth. The most pampered ever on earth. They're more more coddled. They're more attended to. They have got it made. That's what the, the people, the statisticians are telling us, that the millennials and the following generation are the most pampered generation on earth. And if we're not careful, and we love our kids, and we're going to take care of them, and I enjoy spoiling mine, but we must always remember that we must teach into them, you serve. As Christians, we serve. We just don't receive, we serve. Christians are who we are. Christians are who we are. Serving our community is what we do. On Sunday mornings, we've been talking about the three things that we are here at Family Worship Center. We believe, we belong, and we serve. And the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about I serve too. The general meaning of the word serve, the general meaning of the word serve or servant is literally to minister, to attend to, to wait upon. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. Uh, chapter 20. Turn to Matthew chapter 20. Verse number 28. Look at Matthew chapter 20, verse number 28. Notice what it says. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. It's talking about Jesus. It says, for even the Son of Man, that's referring to Jesus, even Jesus came not to be served. Jesus didn't come to be ministered to. Jesus didn't come to be waited upon. Jesus didn't come to be attended to. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but he came to serve others. He came to wait on other people. He came to minister to other people. He came to attend to other people. So, we serve. We serve. Why is it important for serving to be a part of our daily routine? As Christians, why should we emphasize serving? Why should we teach our children to serve? Why should we as a church make serving a priority? Number one, we serve because serving is the example the Lord gave us to follow. Why do we serve? We just make it up? No, he did it, so we do it. He said, the works that I do shall ye do also, and greater works than these shall ye do. A lot of people say, well, 
That greater works is talking about healing. It's talking about miracles. It's talking about, yeah, it concludes all of that, but it also includes feeding the poor, feeding the hungry, ministering to the downtrodden, encouraging people, helping people out of their lifestyle of sin and shame. Jesus also did those things, so we are to do those. The works that I do shall ye do also. We serve... We serve because serving is the example Jesus gave us to follow. Look at Matthew twenty twenty eight again. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. Now here's what I've learned. I have discovered a true, to truly live a life that thinks about serving, we've got to get our minds renewed with the Word of God. It's not about if the opportunity exists. It's not even about if you have some free time to do it. If you want to be a servant, if you and I must want to follow the path that Jesus set before us, we've got to get our minds renewed with the Word of God. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh. Everybody say flesh. Those who live according to the flesh have their, what? Minds. See, your mind is involved in this. Have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Verse 7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Verse number 7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now I want you to look at verse 7 in the NIV again. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile or an enemy against God. Look at the, the New Living Bible. The Living Bible. The Living Bible says this. Because the old sinful nature within us is against God. It never did obey God's law and it never will. Look at the message translation. Look at the last sentence. Focusing on the, on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God. We are constantly at a war. We're at a war. I'm not talking about a war with North Korea. I'm not talking about a war in, 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 with nations or Afghanistan. I'm talking about we as Christians, we are constantly in an internal war. Because our spirit, the person on the inside, the heart, the real you that's been born again, wants to serve Christ. But our spirit is packed in this flesh that is selfish. And there's this constant war that's going on. That's why, that's why, when we hear a message on serving or volunteering our time, our heart will agree with it. You're sitting here this morning thinking, yeah, yeah, we need to serve. Yeah, I know I need to serve. But before we can commit to serve, our flesh will talk us out of it. Our flesh is selfish. It's selfish. Your flesh is selfish. Our spirit that has been born again desires to give and serve. But our flesh is selfish, so there's a battle that's going on. Sitting here right now, you know where I'm going. At the end of this service, I'm going to ask everybody who considers Family Worship Center their home to commit to serve someone somewhere. And each of us sitting here this morning know we need to. 
Because it's been put in your spiritual DNA. The love of Christ that serves mankind has been deposited in your heart and in my heart when we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. We know we need to. It's in us. But before we can get to ever get to the table and sign up, our flesh will give us a thousand reasons why we don't have time to. I don't have time. I'm already covered up. I don't know how to do that. I don't like to do that. I'm already too busy. I'm older and that stuff is for the younger people. I'm worn out after working all day long. I don't know anyone, so I don't know how to get started. They didn't send me a reminder. They need volunteers on the days I'm not available. Any of you ever, ever thought of these excuses? These are just ones I've thought of. I could get a whole another several pages listening to your excuses. Someone, someone else will do it. Oh, I, I think of that one all the time. Well, somebody else will do it. Somebody. If I have any extra time, I will get an extra job and make some money to pay for my expensive wife. How many have had that thought before? <laughs> Serving like that will cut into my lake time. It'll cur- cut into my hobby time. It will cut into my family time. See, a a war rages between our flesh and a heart that desires to serve. A flesh that's selfish and a heart that desires to serve. For every reason God calls us to serve, your flesh will have a reason why you shouldn't serve. Listen to this. I shared it with you last week. Serving takes place. Not because opportunity meets talent. Not even because extra time connects with free schedules. But serving takes place because an intentional decision, you get your mind made up, to give myself to meet an unfulfilled need. Now, I'm not, I'm not, won't you know, I'm not going to fuss at nobody for not serving. Because every one of us deal with this. Jesus dealt with it. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? God told him, I want you to give your life. Jesus said, he prayed, Lord, if it possible, let this thing pass from me. Give it to somebody else. Let's put this off a little while. Come up with another escape plan. Let's do, I don't want to do this. His flesh was not wanting to do it. But his heart, which was trying to please God, was wanting to serve. His flesh was not wanting to serve. So us, even in our small, insignificant life, nothing like Jesus did, but even in our path of life, we have to deal with a flesh that wants to spend its time pleasing itself instead of giving itself to be a blessing to somebody else. Let me show you how Jesus was able to conquer his flesh. Look with me at Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this. In your relationships with one another, in your relationships with your community, in your relationships with your people at work, have the same mindset. Get your mind renewed as Jesus Christ did. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. The reason Jesus lived a life of serving, not was because, he, not because his flesh wanted to, but because he got his mind renewed to God's will for his life. If you can think about it very simply, it's like this. Your spirit, your heart, that's born again, it wants to serve. That's why every time you hear a need, you have a yearning to meet that need. Your flesh doesn't want to serve. It's selfish. 
So you've got a heart that wants to serve, a flesh that doesn't want to serve, and the trigger, the pendulum, that determines, because it's always the numbers game. Two against one will win every time. You've got the spirit that wants to serve. You've got the flesh that don't want to serve. One against one. It's your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. Whichever one that gangs up with is two against one. If your mind gangs up with your flesh, you got two against one. If your mind gangs up with your spirit, you got two against one. So we have to get our mind renewed with the Word of God that it is God's will for us to serve. There is no question about it. We are going to serve when given the opportunity. Everybody with me? So we serve. We serve. We are called to serve. Have you ever heard this statement? Well, I'm just not in the mood. How many of you have heard that? How many have ever felt that? I'm just not in the mood. I'd like to get involved, but I'm just not in the mood. See, that's your, that's your soulish realm, your mind, will, and emotions, siding with your flesh against what your heart is wanting to do. So why is it so important for serving to be a part of our daily routine? We serve because Jesus left us an example to follow. Number two, we serve because serving is the way we reveal the love of Christ to the world. These girls that you saw on this screen, that Doors of Hope, Jesus loves them as much as He loves us. But they're never going to come in this house to hear it. Because they're ashamed and they don't feel welcome. So Doors of Hope went and took the love of Jesus to these ladies. We serve because serving is the way we reveal the love of Christ to the world. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Matthew chapter 5. Don't put your billfold up yet, Dad. I'm coming. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In this passage, Jesus informs us of a couple of things. Number one, he informs us we are the light of the world. Christians are the light of the world. So you are the light of the world. Second thing he informs us is this. Light... Light is meant to be bless humanity. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and gives light to everyone in the house. You are the light of the world, and light is supposed to bless people. Put those two verses together, and here's what you get. We are the light of the world, and we're supposed to shine everywhere. We are the light of the world. We're supposed to shine everywhere. If you don't remember nothing else I say... And if you're taking screenshots of the sayings this morning, take a screenshot of this one. Our friends, our relatives, our co-workers and acquaintances determine the validity of our faith more from our daily lives than they do our Sunday spiritual activities. Let me repeat that. Our friends, our relatives, our co-workers and acquaintances determine the validity of our faith more from our daily lives than they do our Sunday spiritual activities. Listen. Listen to me. Listen to your pastor. Don't, tell, don't invite people to church on Sunday if you're going to act like the devil on Monday. People don't want to come to your church if you're not honest on Tuesday. People don't want to come to your church and get your faith if you can't be nice on Wednesday. Understand that our friends, our relatives, our co-workers, and our family members 
determine the validity of our faith more from how we walk every day than they do our Sunday spiritual activities, whether we go to church or not. We are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Jesus said, let your light shine so that people can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I'll finish with this. On Saturday, on Saturday, I think it's September the 30th, Family Worship Center is partnering with the Red Cross and the Murfreesboro Fire Department and Olive Branch Church, an African-American congregation in our city, to do what is referred to in cities as sound the alarm. In that they're asking us if we would be willing to bring volunteers in on a Saturday morning to help put smoke detectors in homes that can't afford them or do not have them. So I'm asking for 100 volunteers from our church. 100 volunteers on Saturday, September the 30th from 8.30 to 1 p.m. And we're going into the Hobgood Elementary neighborhoods. And we're going to share the good deeds of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be a blessing to our community. Now, how many of you live in the Hobgood area? None of you. How many of you have heard of Hobgood? You know where most of you heard of it? You heard it on the national news recently. Several months ago, unfortunately, uh, we had some children arrested there at that school. And it made national news. Now, I know many of our police department, and it was just a perfect storm. Good men. Mistakes make, made on every hand. But it really brought a, a, a black eye to our city. Well, you know what? It's easy to look down our noses at people and say they should have done this and they should have done that. But the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 9, And Jesus saw the multitudes, how they were scattered, as sheep having no shepherd. And he says, he says of them, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. You know what we do? We look down our noses at people and say, well, they should have done this, and they shouldn't have done that, and they shouldn't have acted like that, and they should Jesus didn't do that. He saw people that were lost. He saw people that were in trouble. He saw people confused and helpless. And our community, in many of our community neighborhoods, they're confused and they're helpless. And it's easy for us to look down our noses and say, well, they should do better. They ought to act better, and they ought to know better, and they ought to work harder, and they'd have these things. Well, some people just can't. And let me put it another way. It's easy for us employed white Americans to tell other people how they need to live when we've never walked in their shoes. We've never walked in their shoes. Now, I know people get mad at me over that. Well, that's all right. I'm, somebody's mad at me every week. I've already had three people criticize my white tennis shoes this morning. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm getting used to it. The truth of the matter is this. We are not called to this city to pass judgment. We're called to show compassion. We're called to show compassion. I don't know. I don't know who was at fault. I don't know who did wrong. It doesn't matter to me right now. 
I want to show the love of Christ to people who are confused and helpless. So would you join me? I need 75 to 100 volunteers who will give that morning for four and a half hours. We'll begin at 8.30 at Olive Branch Church. They've asked us, they've come to us and said, Family Worship Center, would you help us? The American Red Cross said, would you help us? The week before, the American Red Cross are sending their teams out and they're going to canvas those neighborhoods and find out what homes, what families are available and would like to have uh, smoke detectors. And the American Red Cross are going to provide 350 smoke detectors. They've just said, Family Worship Center, would you come with 175 to 100 volunteers and would you install them? Would you have somebody to work with a family for 30 minutes or so to teach them an escape route out of their home? And would you just show them love and compassion? So I'm looking for 75 to 100 volunteers. I'm looking for some guys who've got power drills. That's all we need is a power drill. One old boy came up to me. He said, Pastor, I'm the biggest redneck in this church. But he said, I got four power drills and I'm going to help you. See, Here's what you get. You get a brand new FWC t-shirt. Just for the volunteers now. We've got red ones. We've got black ones. We've got orange ones. This one's going to be a different color only for people who sound the alarm. You get a free lunch. You get free training at 8.30 that morning. They're going to train us how to do it. But for the rest of your life, you're going to have the knowledge that you showed somebody that you do not know and will probably never reach again the love of Jesus Christ by caring for them and caring for their family. We serve because Jesus left us an example. We serve because he, uh, it's our opportunity to show the love of Jesus to this community. And finally, we serve because Jesus needs us. He needs you. He can't do it without you. Stand with me, would you? Amanda, Amanda and I went to a little church in Allgood, Tennessee in 1983. I was 25 and she was 22. They were getting ready to shut it down. They were months behind on their little payment. They only had 30 people. And the organization, the Assemblies of God, sent us up there and said, Give it a try. It's your first shot. Don't worry if it doesn't, wait, if it doesn't work. We're going to shut it down anyway. So we went. 30 people. We threw our hearts into it. We threw our lives into it. We encouraged other people to give their life and to serve. And within six years, that little church, six or seven years, that little church went from 30 to 600. When we left about 14 years later, it was over 2,000 every Sunday morning. But I never will remember, I never will forget that Sunday when we got to 600. It was about five or six years after we'd started. We had a special celebration service. And we had a speaker come in who had preached there before. And he said, Pastor Eddie, I just want to thank you. I was up there introducing him. He walked up and he said, first of all, before you leave, I want to thank you and this wonderful congregation 
for all the good work you've done for God and how you've built this church. And I wanted to be humble. I wanted, you know me, I'm a humble guy. I said, brother, it wasn't us, it was the Lord. It was the Lord. And suddenly he stopped me. He said, I don't want to disagree with you in front of your people. But he said, be honest with you, pastor. I was here before preaching when the Lord had it by himself. And he could only get 30. And since you and these people have come, y'all have got 600. And I realized from that moment, the Lord needs me. The Lord needs you. He can't do it without you. Why do we serve? He left us an example to serve. Why do we serve? Because it reveals the love of Christ to our community. Why do we serve? Because He needs you. He needs you. So, I'm going to give you an opportunity to commit. I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your flesh under. And we're asking everyone at this church who considers this church their home to at least serve at least two times a month. And here's how you do it. We're going to make it easy for you. You can text to serve. <laughs> you can text to get groceries. You can text to get toiletries. You can text to get pizza. And you can text to serve. You text, I serve, to 555-888. And once you text that, it's going to come back a screen. It's asked who it is. And it's going to list all the places that you would like to check to serve. If you'll just do it, it won't take you more than two minutes. Somebody will be contacting you within the next two weeks to see about getting you hooked up to serve. If you'd like to serve on our Sound the Alarm Saturday, there's a table right over here. If you'd like to serve and volunteer at Doors of Hope, they have a table right over here. God's called us to serve. Lord Jesus, thank you for our people. Thank you for their heart for you. Lord, I'm asking you now, 